Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 140. We'll begin and conclude the book of Ovadia with a brief summary of chapter 1 and follow with some thoughts about names, legends, and legendary geography. For 21 verses, Ovadia packs a lot in and a serious punch landed solidly against the kingdom of Edom. It goes without saying that whatever happens to Edom, the disaster that will land upon their heads, it will be delivered righteously. For as Ovadia says about them, quote, Your arrogant heart has seduced you, you who dwell in clefts of the rock in your lofty abode. You think in your heart, who can pull me down to earth? Who indeed? In addition to the garden variety arrogance and haughtiness, Edom will also suffer because of their treatment of Judah, or more like lack of treatment of Judah. Quote, on that day when you stood aloof, when aliens carried off his goods, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were as one of them. Well, as the Beastie Boys said, And so when Israel returns and ascends to her natural place, Edom will plummet and fall. Quote, the house of Jacob shall be fire, and the house of Joseph flame, and the house of Esav will be straw. They shall burn it and devour it, and no survivor shall be left of the house of Esav, for the Lord has spoken. Oh, damn! And on that karmic note, here endeth the lesson. First, before he runs off, a word about Ovadia. And it will literally be one word because we don't really have any information about him from his star turn in the Book of Twelve. And that word is... A hagiography is a book about the life of a saint, coming from the Greek words hagios meaning holy and graphia meaning writing. It also connotes a written work, usually a biography that treats its subjects with undue reverence. Hagiographies often fabricate, exaggerate, or fudge details. The hagiography featured prominently in the early church, and as it was most commonly reproduced in the Middle Ages, it followed a standard format. It would begin with the biography or vita of the saint, followed with a description of the saint's deeds or miracles, and often conclude with an account of the saint's martyrdom, his passio. It is no coincidence, then, that in Jewish culture, in the Middle Ages and in the later Middle Ages, the hagiography also took root in specific circles, namely the Hasidim, where it was commonly said that, quote, someone who believes in all the stories of the Baal Shem Tov and the other mystics and holy men is a fool. Someone who looks at any single story and says that one could not be true is a heretic. The Shivchei Habesht, or In Praise of the Baal Shem Tov, is an anthology of legends about Hasidism's founder, the Baal Shem Tov, and it is a heady mix of miracle tales and fanciful accounts of the Rebbe's activities. I'm not going to weigh in here about how much of it is true and how much of it is complete bubamices, but I will say that one should have salt on hand to pinch while reading. All of which is to say that hagiography involves so much blending of fact and fiction that one would be hard-pressed to find a kernel of truth in the mix. But there is one in there somewhere. 
In our single chapter of Ovadia, we come across this in verse 20, quote, And that exiled force of Israelites shall possess what belongs to the Phoenicians as far as Tsorfat, when the Jerusalemite exile community of Sfarad shall possess the towns of the Negev. For those Hebrew speakers out there, this verse should prick the ears a little bit because Tsorfat and Sfarad are not biblical fictions, but real places. Tsorfat is France and Sfarad is Spain. So did the seafaring Phoenicians sail their galleys all the way to the Côte d'Azur and did Jerusalem exiles reach the Costa del Sol? Um, no. Apparently, Ovadia was referring to a different Tsorfat, one located on the northern Canaanite coast, about 15 kilometers south of Sidon. And Sfarad is apparently referring to Sardis in Asia Minor, which is known today as Sart in Turkey's Manisa province. So how did France come to share a name with the Canaanite port and Spain with the ancient capital of Lydia? Here's where the hagiographic urge comes into play. Let's start with Sorfat. The reason why France is called Sorfat is... But I did come across a fanciful explanation that I kind of like, so here it goes. The great commentators Rashi and Radak lived in France. Rashi in Troyes and Radak in Narbonne. And they are the ones that made the connection between their own state of exile and those of the Jews described in Ovadia. And thus they adopted Sarfat to refer to their not home away from home. As for Sfarad, since the period of 2nd century ancient Rome, Spanish Jews gave the name Sfarad to the Iberian Peninsula. And the reason is... And well, it stuck. And not only did it stick for Iberia, but it continues to describe about 16% of the Jewish people who consider themselves Sephardic. And in thinking about legends and names, I was reminded of Hagiva Hatzorfatit, the neighborhood where my uncle and aunt and her family lived in Jerusalem. I spent many a happy summer on Etzel Street amidst the mid-rise apartment buildings, and for many years I wondered about the connection between the hill and the neighborhood. And France, because if you translate Hagiva Tsorfatit, and then the signs in English said French hills, did the French somehow colonize this hill after World War I and defeat the Ottomans? Nope and nope. According to local legend, it was named after a British general, John French, 1st Earl of Ypres, who is said to have had his headquarters on that hill. According to this legend, there was a mistake with the translation to Hebrew that named the place after the country France, Tsorfat. However, French never served in that region, and had the neighborhood been named after General French, the correct name in Hebrew would have been Givat French. And despite best efforts to rename it Givat Shapira, a nice, you know, Jewish-Israeli name, folks still call it Hagiva Hatsorfatit. Oh well, when all you have is legend, sometimes it'll have to do. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Send a friend an email to say, Hey, would it kill you to check out TanakhCast? Or even better, write a brief review at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Smart Radio, or SoundCloud. It's a small thing, really, but it will help other people who might be interested in some Bible learning find this podcast. Or if you want to help in a bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that, 
and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for episode 141 when we begin and complete the fifth book in the book of 12 with Jonah chapters 1 through 4.